There is nothing more freeing than loving the way that love actually is. It is complete and total freedom because you are free to just love. There is no room for judgment. There is no room for condemnation. There's no room for any sort of discrimination, for racism, for ageism, for any ism. There's, there's no room for it. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am still your host, Joe Mobley, the original uncloseted conservative. Guys, thank you so much for being a listener. If you could, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. You open up the podcast app, whatever podcast app you listen to on your phone. Search The Joe Mobley Show and go ahead and subscribe. While you're there, if you like the content, like. And if you want to be entered in for a chance to win a book, from uh, our lovely guest today, uh, the author of Love Is, Miss Kim Sorrell. Make sure that you rate and review the show. Mention, mention something that you got out of today's episode and you will be entered in for a chance to win one of her books that I will send to you with a handwritten note from me. This guy might be worth something to you, might not be. Guys, we are always big on content, short on time. So we're going to bring her up. I didn't show... I didn't show the website. I just literally went through this. This is the person that I'm talking about and also speaking to. And here she is, Ms. Kim Sorrell. How are you? I'm doing great. It is so great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, so you're someone who has an amazing story and and guest always uh, or host, we always ask the same question. Well, tell us about yourself. Uh, this one's no different, but it, it really is um, something special, which I just you know told you that I've listened to in the car a bunch because I had a lot of commuting today. Uh, so tell us uh, who you are. Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, I started my first business right out of high school at 18 years old and have been in the business world my whole life, running businesses, selling businesses, building businesses. Um, I'm a mom, a grandma. I just got a puppy, so I'm a dog mom, I guess that makes me. And uh, I have coached um, basketball and volleyball and do all kinds of things. And um, I've written a couple books. Awesome. Um, I have on my, not really my big, hairy, audacious goals, but uh, a couple of my goals are to write a couple of books. And I am behind as they might say but i've actually started i've started writing the first one and people send me emails and stuff and they're all over me i'm, I'm not lazy i promise and i'm not afraid it's just it's a lot um it's a lot so how did you get into writing books what made you say you know what i i think i'm gonna write something and maybe someone will will enjoy it and read it <laughs> Well, I actually kind of fell into it in a way. I was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years back and I went to the bookstore and everything was either depressing or very medical. And I wanted something to tell me what it was gonna feel like, what it was gonna go through if I had choices to make, what, what it was. And that book didn't seem to exist. So I started writing 
about my journey. And that is my first book, Cry Until You Laugh. I continued writing. I wrote for about a year uh, because four months into my diagnosis, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died six weeks later. So that wow. is all, all in that book, Cry Until You Laugh, because I believe that's what you need to do is you need to cry, but then you need to laugh again. Wow, that's incredible. My um, I, my dad had a couple of bouts with lung cancer and he's still with us. And I never, um, you know, it kind of sends a shockwave through any family and any individual, but I never thought about the aspect of um, someone who's been handed a diagnosis going to essentially find like an empathetic source. What is this going to be like to go through? And initially my thought was the other type of book. Maybe that's just because I'm a nerd um, or, or a chess player, but I, I wanted the, the, this, that, that, what is this? What is this? What is this? Um, but it's just fascinating to me that you had the foresight um, to, to know that that might be something that people wanted. Did, did anyone ask you for it or did you have like a lot of support when you, cause it takes time to write a book. It does take time. What I did is I wrote, it was, it was sort of updates to family and friends. I'm having surgery tomorrow kind of a thing, but it was much more than that. And I was sending them out via email. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading what I was writing. And I kind of wrote when I felt like writing, there wasn't really a pattern to it. And I really didn't expect it to become a book. I wrote, it was therapeutic for me. It was really good for me to get it out and, and in letters on a computer. Uh, but then I was just encouraged by several people, including a publisher to uh, let it be a book. So I did. So that brings me to, I'm, I'm really interested uh, to hear this. Our society is a little bit weird right now. It's a little bit crazy um, and divisive, extremely divisive. And I'm on your website and um, you're, you know, you've got your new book. It's called Love Is, um, which you can get at kimsorell.com, by the way. And there's a link in the show notes uh, for you guys that are phonetically challenged. It, it's a hard one to spell if you're going to go for it. It's Kim Sorrell, S O R R. E L L. Oh, no. S O R R E L L E. You better just click the link. It's a safer thing to do. It's in the show notes. Um, but, you know, I'm someone I, I live and breathe politics. I'm having these conversations all the time. And then I see messaging like yours and it's short and it's pithy, but it's also very powerful. The the four letters that are going to change everything. And, and, and you had described, you know, us and them, whether that's conservatives and liberals, Democrats and Republicans, libertarians and Green Party people, I don't know, but just coming together and breaking bread and having a civilized conversation that transcends politics. So I'm, I'm really interested. Um, how, how is that something that came on your radar? Well, after losing my husband, I had a great marriage and I loved him a lot and he was a wonderful guy. 
And uh, certainly not something I would ever choose for anyone. I was 47 years old, which I think is too young to lose the man that you're supposed to be rocking on rockers and drinking lemonade in your 90s with. But I had to figure life out. And one of the questions that I had was what love really is. It seems to be this mystery, but it's uh, solvable, I discovered. But there seems to be so many things to it. And people are taught different things about love, but not everything done in the name of love or said in the name of love is actually love. And so I decided I would dedicate a full year to figure out what the real meaning of love is. And I use this 2,000-year-old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, and took one word at a time to figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And yes, the things that I found out about love, if you truly love and understand what love really is, a Democrat and a Republican, a conservative, a liberal, whoever can sit down to dinner together and not end up having to take roll aids at the end of the meal. <laughs> how how does that manifest in reality? Does it does it go well? Are you met with a lot of resistance? Is it is it kind of like a sales call where they're like, "What are you getting at? What are you trying to do?" <laughs> well, I think once you understand a couple of the many things that I learned about love. Once you hear them, it's like, oh, gosh, it makes so much sense. But you didn't know it before. But then once you know it, you can't unknow it. You know, kind of like that scary movie. Like once you see that scene, you can't unsee it. <laughs> the same thing is true, I think, about love is that once you know it, you know it. And then it's up to you whether you want to live it or not live it. My six-year-old came to me last night and jumped in my lap and she's like, I can't get these bad dream scenes out of my head. And I'm like, you couldn't have had enough time to even fall asleep. It was like 40 minutes after bedtime. And I don't know if your kids did this. Our kids right now are eight, six, four and one. And I, I, I think I said the six-year-old. It was the six-year-old. They go to bed at eight, but they're not really asleep until well after nine. <laughs> it's it's an ongoing situation um yeah but you're you're absolutely right like these these scenes like one once it's seen it can't be unseen you can't put pandora back in the box type of deal um and that's why i think it's important to have conversations uh not necessarily like the one that we're having which is kind of a conversation about the conversations we should be having but with my friend group which is more diverse than some of uh, you know, people out on Twitter land might think it is. There, there are a lot of liberals, including my whole family actually is liberal. Uh, me and my wife are kind of out on an island. Um, but there's there's a reason to have these conversations. It 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 brings you into a place that's uh, into a relationship that's different than had you not. But the delivery has got to be like what you're speaking about it's got to be like a love infused just steeped in in not just mutual respect but actual love for the other person and that's how we have the conversation it's almost like there's this public image of me where people think that i'm like this republican destroyer that's like eating hearts and souls but then people meet me in real life and it's like no that's not true uh, he's genuinely interested in in your ideas, even if he totally disagrees, they're all crazy. 
And I didn't know it, but it's because, and people tell me, it's because of the way that I treat them and I'm interested in them. Uh, they usually, it's a lot of men. They're not going to say, you make me feel loved. They say that I make them feel safe and like they belong, which I feel like as a guy <laughs> saying it's a loving encounter. I think you're absolutely right. And, and people do feel it when, when you care about them, love them. People do feel it. And that's beautiful because that is love. You know, love, sometimes we think of, we think it's an emotion or a feeling, but it's not, you know, we fear. It's not like fear or excitement. We don't live in fear. You know, we're not one big scary movie, you know, whatever. We don't live in, in Disney world. It's not like everything is excitement, right? But you live in love. Love is something that you live in. Love is something you are. Love is part of you. So it's walking, talking, living, breathing, giving. And with love, you're allowed to have a different opinion. People are allowed to have different opinions because you realize that you don't control anybody. You only control yourself. You know, when you brought your kids home from the hospital, you had total control, right? You decided when they ate, when they had a bath, when you put them down for a nap. And then pretty soon they're six, seven, eight months old and all the Tupperware is out of the out of the cupboards and the pots and pans are banging like crazy. And you realize you've lost control and you will never gain it back again. We have no control over anybody but ourselves, no control. So people are allowed to have a different opinion. It, it's really okay. None of us have the handle on all truth. Some of us think we do, but none of us really do. And I love that you listen. I mean, that, that's the very first thing was love is patient, right? Out of the box, you know, love is patient. And I thought I was going to know what that meant, that you're ready for school, you have to get out the door, you're going to be late and your son can't find his shoes and, and you don't go ballistic, right? That's patience. But love that is patient is exactly, Joe, what you're describing. It is recognizing that this moment is the most important moment of your life that whatever is in the past is in the past and whatever in the future is yet to come. This is the moment. So love to show that love, you're fully engaged with whoever it is you're with. You're not thinking about a meeting you have later. You're not thinking about your rebuttal as soon as they say something. You're not assuming what they're going to say based on whatever label you've put on them. You are truly listening. You're fully engaged and truly listening. And when you do that, you hear things like, Joe, I'm sure that from your friends, you probably hear unexpected things sometimes because because it's easy to make assumptions about people. But we learn from each other, even the different opinions we learn from each other. It's it's a good thing to have different opinions. Yeah, it's funny um, when you describe that. I'm reminded of uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, as you might imagine. One of them is the it's called the Men's Bible Study with Bob, uh oh, Bob Barker or Bob Barnes. Um, hmm, one of those guys, either Bob Barker or Bob Barnes. And Bob says, you know, there there are times he's uh, he's giving a talk on parenting and about work and chores and disciplining children. And he says, you know, there's a crossover between relationships with children and then relationships with adult relatives and especially your spouse um, where this element is present. There are so many times where you have to accept that we are going to be inconvenienced, that we are going to be late. 
because it's worth it to spend the time that the child needs or to give um, the wife or husband the attention that they need or the space that they need to develop whatever they wanted to speak about. But the dinner's in 15 minutes. So we don't really have 10 minutes to sit and talk. But that's what the love is patient implication is, is we're going to be late to soccer practice. But maybe this is more important than soccer practice. <laughs> and I hate, I'm a military guy. I hate being late. Oh, my goodness. The arguments that I instigated with my sweet little wife about timelines. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We were always the first to get to anything. And everyone else, you know, kind of trickles in whenever. We probably wasted a lot of time just being on time or early to things. Um, so yeah, that, really when you great. said that, it kind of yeah. like, I feel that <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great point. You know, I think back of when my kids were little and I would be at the stove cooking dinner and somebody's tugging on me and tugging on me and tugging on me <laughs> or my, my son, Luke, who was in the Navy, by the way, and now works for NASA. He would poke my arm and poke my arm and poke my arm. I think I had like this bruise for years on my arm from him poking, poking, poking. And, and I'd be like, wait, just wait, just wait. You know, I'm cooking dinner or I'm on the phone or whatever it is. And I realize now if I would have just stopped for a minute and just looked them in the eye, looked Luke in the eye and said, Luke, what is it that you need? And his three-year-old self probably would have said, this truck is red. And then he would have ran away. Right. Yeah. So it's like so often we think, oh, gosh, if we stop, it's going to be an hour long. I don't have an hour. Well, you got a few minutes. You got a few minutes. And if if you're so pressed for time, say, shoot, this isn't a great time. Sorry, I got a puppy. Um, this isn't a great time, but let's connect later. Let me call you in a little bit and let's connect. So there are ways to do it and still listen, really listen. Yeah. I like the sound of your dog better because our dog, our dog's not a real dog. He's like seven pounds. He's a Yorkie. And like, I mean, if a cricket like crawls on the front porch, he'll bark. So I guess that's good. Uh, but I grew up with German shepherds and like big dogs. Um, but anyway, that's a story for another day. My wife's allergic and, and uh, he's a hypoallergenic dog. So he has hair, which is great. He doesn't shed like that's great. Um, right. But he's also just so small and puny. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it sounds like you have a real dog. Uh, so I, we have a joke. This is going to make us sound like psychos. But my wife and I have a joke um, because our life insurance policies are so large uh, that we joke and say that we have to spend a portion of that money. I would have to get something like 100 German Shepherds and she would have to get like 100 Yorkies. <laughs> um, well, technically silky terriers. She'd have to get a hundred silky terriers, which is like a bougie oh. version of a Yorkie. <laughs> that was silly. Um, when you're talking about spending that time with the child, I remember a great man. His name is uh, Glenn Ransom. He's the president of Bible and Stories, which is a wonderful uh, illustrated Bible. Uh, product for families, not really for kids, because it's easy to say, oh, it's a Bible for kids and illustrated. But no, it's for families meant to be sat down their questions after every chapter. Um, but anyway, his company is that the Bible and stories and Glenn Ransom, we, we sit down 
he's doing, I think it was a sales training or maybe it was just like a mentorship business development type talk he was giving. And um, he didn't ask me. He asked like maybe the person sitting next to me who the most important person in the world is. And it's like, what? What kind of question is that? And then he asked a couple of people. Luckily, I did not have to answer, but I got the insight. And he said, the most important person in the world at any time is the person you're spending time with because you have told everyone else no, not in an inappropriate way. Like, I'm spending time with you now. So I did. I told my kids no, my wife no, my boss no. Um, and we had this time on the calendar. While it's so... Like, yes, it's so good to have a calendar and stuff. Sometimes your kid comes and pokes your leg and they've got the, or pokes you in the arm and they've got the red fire truck. And the most important thing shifts from the pan to the child. And then, like, and it's so fluid. It's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And just taking that moment changes everything. And, and, you know, people know, when you truly care, when you love them, people know that you are really listening and that you really care about what they have to say. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to agree. That's, that's perfectly fine. But people can say their piece and they can believe however they want. And love allows for that. So what, in your opinion, creates the difficulty? Because there are, are so many people, they don't want to have these conversations. And is, is it fear? Is it conflict avoidance? Is it something else that I'm not thinking of that kind of dissuades people from wanting to, to engage in the effort to even have these conversations and even, you know, just like the emotional exercise of loving other people well? You know, I think part of it might be uh, being on a team, you know, team Republican, team liberal, you know, whatever. And if you're part of that team, then the other team is the enemy. The other, the opponent is the enemy. And we do that in high school, right? We have these pep rallies and we're the Panthers and we're going to go play Middleville and we call them Mudville, you know, because they're the bad team. And, and so we're on our team and, and people want that sense of belonging, belonging to a team, but we're kind of all on the same team. And when you realize that, that, that it's not about, the labels, like there, there shouldn't be labels. You know, you're Joe, I'm Kim, that, that should be it. There are things about us that you can say, I'm a woman, you're a man, you know I mean? There, there's things about us that you can say, but, but who we are are Joe and Kim. We're not our beliefs. We're not the silly things that we do, like leave our underwear on the bathroom floor and irritate our spouse. That we're not those things. We're I not do not things. do that. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. But we, we are who we are. We, we are all people. We all have our feet on the same earth. We're all individuals. We're all allowed to realize that we are all equal, that not one of us is better than another. And we all have a story to tell. Not two of us have walked in the same shoes and there's no two people alike. No, never, never has been, never will be. There's one Joe Mobley, one, one that is exactly like you. How special is that? That there is only one of you. And that's true of all of us. There is only one of us. And when we appreciate each other's differences 
and we can embrace each other for who you are and allow people to be who they believe they're created to be. Because it's not up to you. We don't control people. It's not up to me how somebody believes that they're created to be and, and that's the way they live. It's not up to me. I believe you just should appreciate people for their uniqueness, for their differences. And you should engage. Don't be afraid to engage. You don't have to pick a team. We, we are all in this together. Guys, eight out of 10 Americans are completely dissatisfied with work miserable and they hate going into their job. This is a nut statistic. I can't believe so many people live that reality, especially since there are more jobs than people. That means it's actually easier for you to get into the career of your dreams, to get that dream job. This is something I can coach you through. No matter the company, the industry, no matter your education, qualifications, or experience. Guys, I've built a successful career in more than five different industries. I was always promoted ahead of my peers. I was always put in positions of more and more responsibility and leadership. This is something that I can help you achieve for yourself. Guys, you know and love me as the host of The Joe Mobley Show, and now we can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with me as your career pivot coach. All you gotta do is jump on a discovery call with me and see if this is the right move for you to make in 2023 and why this is the best time. Book that discovery call, go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash coach. That's thejoemobleyshow.com slash coach. Book a time today. Guys, my time is limited. The spots are going to fill up and then I'm not going to be able to coach you immediately. I'm going to have to put you on the wait list, but you're going to do the right thing. You're going to go to djmobleyshow.com slash coach right now. Yeah, the teams mess up a lot. Um, Kim, you are such a good guest. You're, you're uh, soliciting all of the stuff that no one ever gets on the show. Uh, more than two years of doing the show, I've never even mentioned this. I don't. I think people might have thought that these drawers were fake. They're actual real drawers with stuff in it. And so my wife, uh, we met and married at Liberty University. Um, so we, we weren't high school sweethearts, but we were college sweethearts. And my wife put together this journal that she had had um, all throughout growing up where uh, she was praying for specific things about whoever the man that was going to be her husband was. So before I was even a Christian, she was praying about me, which is kind of wild. Um, and there are so many cool things in here, um, none of which I'm going to read because uh, you guys aren't her husband. It's my book for me. Uh, but she had this list of things. And one of the first things on the list, just like, you know, nothing insane, but just like a list of like, this guy's got to be at least all of these things. And then we can go from there. It's like one or two is not gross. <laughs> and you'd think that's a low bar, but a lot of guys, guys, you know, a young man out there, teenager, especially teenage college age athlete, we're gross. Okay. Like clean it up guys, whatever it is, uh, the bathroom counter or your body. <laughs> Just like... Um, so, and it can, it can pay off big time. You know, you get the girl and, and right off into the sunset. Um, but, uh, yeah. So thank you mom and sisters for raising me to not be gross. It, it paid off big time. <laughs> That's so funny. I have four boys and one, one daughter and my boys would have friends over all the time and, and they'd all be in our basement 
playing video games, playing euchre, doing whatever they're doing. And there were times that I would walk downstairs and go, okay, that's it. Everybody line up for the shower. Come on, here we go. And <laughs> everyone would take a shower because yeah, there was a little gross going on down there. Yeah. Yeah. That you, when you are that teenage boy, you can't smell it. Just, you know, there's, there's wisdom in the counsel of others. Okay. There's a reason that you keep hearing from everyone. Do you smell that? Like, what? <laughs> what is that? And you keep saying no. That's a clue, folks. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you're someone who's had these conversations. There are a lot of people on the fence. There are a lot of people on the fence about being vulnerable, um, and and which is a big step. Um, so, just speak to us about the experience. What can you know, if someone decides that they want to, I, I was just at an event for kindness. Um, you know, they do International Kindness Day and stuff. They were talking about how it's a risk to be kind, how it's a risk to speak to the person that no one's speaking to, to, to offer the seat, to do those kinds of things. Um, but just what, I don't want to say payout, that's not the right word, but what's some of the impact that it's had to, to be intentional about loving in like of course it just sound like a hallmark postcard here but like kind of loving out loud like on purpose <laughs> well you know i'll tell you there is nothing more freeing than loving the way that love actually is it is complete and total freedom because you are free to just love there is no room for judgment. There is no room for condemnation. There's no room for any sort of discrimination, for racism, for ageism, for any ism. There's, there's no room for it. it. It does not exist with love. And so you are free to just love, not criticize, not try to fix people, not give unsolicited advice, not put people down. I mean, my word, who wants to live in that energy where we're to us, us against them. And, and we're the good guys, no matter who the us is, the us is always the good guys, right? Who wants to live in an energy that, that thinks that half the world is good and half the world is bad, or half of the Americans are good and half are bad or whatever percentages. Who wants to live in that? I mean, that? That's not a great place to live. Like live in freedom and allowing people to be who they are created to be. Allow people to be and believe and know and think anything they want to. And I'll tell you what, I've often thought there's all these books that are written about babies, having a baby, right? Like, and you read them all before you have your first one. And then you find out half of it probably doesn't apply to you, but you read them all anyway. And then there's on adolescents and on teenagers, but, but then we kind of stop. But wouldn't a book on how to get through your 20s be interesting? or how to get through your 30s or your 40s, your 50s. I think that would be so interesting because I can tell you at my age now, I believe some things differently than I did when I was 20. And so love also gives you that grace, the grace to evolve and change. And so you, you need to be able to listen to other people's opinions. So you know there's other opinions out there that, that it's, it's not just all about you, but that you can listen and you might learn something. And, and if you don't learn anything else, you'll learn that we're way more the same than we are different. That's pretty powerful, especially 
Um, there's, I'm going to hurt some feelings here. There's a group of people that often believe that we have it all together. Um, if you don't know, um, it's Christians. I'm, I'm speaking specifically from one of us to others of us. Uh, the idea of repentance isn't just for the salvation picture to turn back. You know, I've been going down the wrong road, turn around and move back toward the right thing. We still need that. There are things that I thought in my 20s, there are things that I thought 20 days ago or maybe 20 hours ago that were wrong. And we go down this road and man, it's hard when, when to face yourself. The great philosophers said, you know, the, the heart of discipline, true understanding is to know thyself. What is going on in me? And to say, man, I got this wrong. And to turn not in a repentance type way, because that's a specific turning back, but to go, I've been going down this road and I'm wrong. And now I need to turn around and I need to cover all of the ground. I've driven so many hours down this road and it was a wrong turn. I need to turn around. And it's so embarrassing. And I, like I often say, um, as a teen, I my view of justice was wrong. It, it was warped and perverted and crazy. It was you know, if, if I were like a police chief, everyone would have been getting maximum sentences for everything. Um, and I'm mid thirties now, but I can say, I say all the time I was wrong. And then the thing that brought me out of that wrongness wasn't a great philosopher, a book or a pastor as my wife and how she's a much more gracious and merciful person. Um, but seeing it and living with it and seeing how she interacts with people um, who've wronged her, cut her off, did something bad at the, at the supermarket, children, other moms, it just made me go, oh, I am completely wrong about this. And it's so embarrassing. And we have to get over that. Like as a society in these adult relationships, we have to get over. Um, it's like you said, you said the team thing. <laughs> we we never want to slight the team uh, and we've got to get over that we we do we do and life is a lot better when you do and it's amazing the interesting people that you open yourself up to and and i don't think loving means you have to like everybody you know you, you're not going to be everybody's best friend the, the, you don't have room for that you've only have room for so many people in your life you have some people that you know and then other people that that are really close to you. And uh, there's only so many hours in the day. So there's only so many people that can be those people. And some people you wouldn't want to be those people, hmm. but that that's also okay. And it, that's for them to decide. It's not for you to decide on, on how they live or how they think. And uh, when you realize that, you know, one of the myths about love is, is, we think it's a two-way street. That's what we're told, right? It's a two-way street or it's a it's a, a number. It's 50-50. It's 100-100, whatever number you put to it. But it's not. Love is a one-way street. Love is on you, period. Going back to you don't control anybody. The minute you give love to get love, that's a transaction. You know, if I give you money, you give me a pair of jeans, that's a transaction. Love is not a transaction. If you give love to get love, you will always be disappointed. You will live in misery and sadness. If you give love because that's who you are and you give love with no expectations of receiving anything in return, it's such a happier, better way to live. And it is the right way to live than you're living love. 
Love has this wonderful way of coming back to you anyway. But the minute you give it to get it, it's no longer love. It's a it's a sales transaction. That's good. And that's absolutely right. Yeah. And you, we see this uh, with children trying to win the affection of absent parents or even abusive parents. I used to be on the human trafficking task force. And um, one of those things is you see um, you humans, we, we try and adapt and overcome. And you can see uh, young children trying to adapt to a transactional love environment. And it's hurtful. It's destructive. Um, and a lot of times as an adult, you feel helpless because you're, you're limited in your ability to reach in or speak into that situation. Yeah. That's, that's really good. That's yeah. really good insight. Well, and you know, sometimes it's way more loving to uh, get somebody out of your life. Like if you're in an abusive relationship and you stay, you're allowing that other person to continue to be abusive. You're not helping them to change. And I don't think anybody who's abusive really enjoys it. I think they probably torments them that they're that way, that they live in that anger or whatever it is. And if you stay, you're allowing it to continue and you're not allowing them to grow and them to change and, and see themselves for who they are. So sometimes the most loving thing you can do is walk away. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting perspective. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. I, man, a mentor of mine um, kind of sucked the wind out of my sails when she said, um, and I was getting a little bit rage or hate filled at that the season of life and she said that you need to be praying for not just the the recovery of trafficking victims but you actually need to pray for people that purchase illicit sex people that are trafficking people because many of them she said they are plagued with something that they don't understand they're addicted with things themselves they're torn she used exactly that word tormented and she was right but I was angry <laughs> and like, what a dynamic, uh, what, what an interesting thing. And this is another, um, you know, a lady in her, oh, I almost said sixties. I know that you're not in your sixties. She's going to be listening to this. She's like, oh my goodness. Um, uh, a, a very wonderful, uh, springly young lady in her young fifties. Um, and you could never even tell. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she was teaching me how to how to love better. Uh, yeah, which is interesting because I'm kind of figuring that out right now. And this was like years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's amazing how the words of wisdom come back to you. Yeah, it's almost like a not a trigger, like in a bad way. Um, but it's like, I think that's the last time that I heard the word torment in a used in a positive way used to describe something that's supposed to have a positive income. And then you just did it again. And it just brought me right back there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so we only have about six minutes left. Uh, and I, I want to ask you one question just for my own personal curiosity. What, what are some, as you've been doing this and as you've been telling this message to people, um, what are some challenges that arose that you maybe didn't expect, uh, maybe initially had trouble dealing with? 
Well, I, I think people are where they're at, right? You know, like we talked about your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you know, wherever you are today, that's where you're at. And, and it could be different tomorrow. It could be different next week. But, but all the days that we've lived so far lead us to today, lead us to this moment. And so that uh, doesn't change. I mean, that, that's who we are. That's what we know. You know, that's what we make decisions based on and whatever. And so some of the things that I learned about love are, are so unique to what people think about love that there can be some resistance. Like, well, if I embrace it, does it mean I have to be nice to my next door neighbors who keep throwing the trash over the fence? You know, or if I if I really live this way, what do I have to change in life? It's like like people who come to a faith and the faith has certain standards or certain rules attached to it. And and they think, wow, well, shoot, if I do it, do I have to stop drinking? You know, like, I don't know if I if I want to go there. But I'm telling you, with the truth about love, you want to go there. Like life is only better with loving the right way. Relationships are everything. You know, sometimes we get caught up in our day to day and the busyness of life. And and it, it's on paper and it's on the computer and it's not in person. But it's the in-person moments that are the important moments. It's the relationships that that dictate everything about your life. It, your happiness is your own. You, you can't let others determine your happiness. You, you get to pick it. You get to pick how you react to anything and, and you pick your happiness. But we do things, we have things like a puppy that make us happy, that do bring happiness and joy into our life. And that's with relationships. People bring happiness and joy into your life. The right, the right people, the people that you want around you. And so relationships, way more important than Facebook relationships, <laughs> but real relationships, right? And so loving the right way, understanding love, understanding what it really is and then living it, it, it might sound kind of pie in the sky. It might sound kind of, oh, you know, whatever, a little woo-woo or something, but, but it's not. It's just we've been taught wrong. You know, kids... I believe are born knowing how to love the right way. But over time, we're told that we're doing it wrong. You know, over time we're told, no, you don't really want that. No, that's not right. No, you know, how many times does a parent say the word no, especially in the first three years of a child's life, right? So we're we're untaught love. And so it's a reteaching, it's a it's a mind shift to figure out the truth about love and how to how to really do love. And when you commit to doing that, when you say, yeah, I'm on board, I, I want to know how to love, your life only gets better. It, it does never do anything but get better. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we try not to say no, 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 no with all of the small children, um, which is funny because now the one-year-old... <laughs> you replace it with something else and we go, uh Oh, so like he'll, he'll do something naughty, um, or fall, uh, but really do something naughty. And when we look at him, he'll go, uh Oh, he's <laughs> like, all right, well, I, I guess that's, that's slightly better than no, no, no. 
um yeah well, well this like has that. been this has been wonderful i wish we had more time um but you know what we can do we can have you back on the show that would be wonderful i would love uh, it yeah and um i, I always want to make time for you to tell people uh, what you've got going on and where they can follow you connect with you um and and remember folks that the social media stuff it's it's a connecting ish place but uh, the real relationships are like people that you can trust. And uh, if you needed help, someone you could reach out to, like how many of your thousands of followers can you reach out to for help? You know, so anyway, just to frame that discussion, uh, where can people follow you and, uh, <laughs> and see what you've got going on? Well, I'm pretty easy to find because I am literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because there are way too many letters, like you said earlier, two R's, two E's, two L's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E. So my website is kimsorrell.com, but you can also get there through loveis.info, loveis.info. I am on all the social channels. I love hearing from people. I have a free 14-day uh, love challenge on my website and it's absolutely free. You sign up for it. It's uh, just thinking about a different aspect of love every day for 14 days, given the information, it's short to read and kind of fun. And anyone who signs up for it, I will send you for free, no charge. I will send you a WWLD, what would love to wristband? Because if you can answer any question that way, you will be doing the right thing. Well, that is wonderful. Really, really great interview. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know that we're going to get uh, lots of positive messages because we always do. Um, and again, you can send those to ask at the uh, which is my email that I'm personally on because they're, um, it's a good problem to have, but it's unfortunate. There are so many social media followers and things that I don't, I miss so many of those messages. Um, but if you email us your thoughts, ask at the show.com is the place that you know that I will read it. And if you want a chance to win a free copy of her book um, with a note from me in it, then open up the podcast app on your phone, search for the Joe Mobley show and subscribe and then leave a review. You don't even have to rate the show, but you do have to leave a review and tell us something that you took away from the conversation um, something that Kim said that meant something to you, spoke to you and where you're at. Um, and, and I'd love to get those messages and send them over to her guys. That's all the, the hour just goes by super fast <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all the time that we have. Um, but we will have Kim Sorrell back. Kim, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.